millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Creative Diaries. Today I'm here with Lewis Goody. Hi Lewis, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. So, as I was telling you a little bit before, on this podcast we focus on writing, directing, acting, stand-up comedy. And I understand you have a bit of experience in acting and stand-up comedy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, I came to London to go to drama school from Plymouth. Um, so, originally it was all acting. Com- comedy has only really come into my life in the last, like, two or three years. I've been in London for nearly ten years, or maybe over ten years. When did I come here? 2008? Yeah. So I've been in London for a long time, predominantly working towards acting in whatever medium I can do that in. So yeah, did drama school, three years, went to Guildhall, School of Music and Drama, just around the corner here, and then worked after that. I've done theatre, film, TV, adverts, worked like that for a good few years. And then, um, well, similarly to you, like I, I, I started a podcast, and actually that was probably the start of me just talking to other creative people which as you know is a super cool thing to do it's like yeah 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 and and uh so i started talking to different kinds of people and then people who were create so it was predominantly talking to actors who create their own work that's how it kind of started but then i just became interested in anyone creating anything and that led to me talking to comedians but also like comedy was a i feel like i'm spilling everything too soon here no keep going <laughs> I'm, honestly i'm gonna lose i'm gonna lo- not have anything left to say yeah so i uh where was i you were talking about your podcast which is called acting inspired yeah that's right yeah which you can still get i think i hope i just have been on a sort of pause on that since edinburgh last year i went to edinburgh last year to do a show and since coming back sort of paused on the podcast for some reason which maybe i'll be able to work out why during the duration of this but yeah in in a simple answer to your question i came here to act so i've experience in acting I became interested in the idea of making my own work. M- my girlfriend and I went to LA for a little while and I I was obsessed with watching stand up at that like for forever. Like I love watching stand up. I like weird stuff as well. I like stuff that, that is not always that is sensical or I'm like as I'm saying these <laughs> things I'm opening all these other little doors in my mind. I'm like fuck. Maybe yeah, I, need... I have like 20 follow up yeah, questions. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, I need to address there's there's certain things I need to to address here. Yeah. So it, I've always loved comedy. Yeah. And I think it's brilliant because it's a it's a that's terrible. It's a form of expression that can be used in so many different ways. So for example, I do like music stuff because music is something that connects to me and it's always been something that I've been able to be silly with like sound and music. Whether that just be dancing, you know, when I'm a kid or whatever to 
you know, playing, we- I liked weird music and it, I would play weird music and then... What kind of dancing did you like? Well, just, <laughs> I have this specific memory in my head of being on a building site because my dad's a builder, so I used to like work with him when I was younger. My dad had gone out for to get some bits and all the la- me and all the labourers were there just finishing off doing this wall in this big factory unit uh, that we'd been building. And I drove a car into the factory unit, opened the boot of my dad's car and played this CD called How to Cut and Paste by DJ Yoda, the 80s edition. Okay. So it's like this mashup of like hip-hop and 80s music. There was no particular style to whatever I was doing. I was just moving. Okay. In a way that amused me. This sounds like a really weird dream. Like <laughs> loads of men painting, you know, yeah. doing some manual labor. Then you put on this song and start dancing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I drove a car into the building inside because there's a big like factory door on it. Uh, Open the boot and just thought it'd be funny to like um surprise them with some weird dancing and was it funny i mean i found it funny <laughs> <laughs> i think that's where it started from you know like what what you find sort of excites you i get bored so easily you know especially working in that kind of environment yeah i don't know so that was that was like if i if i look back and think about my connection to music and humor it kind of starts around my like teenage years and 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 being and i was um like a big hip-hop head and was obsessed with hip hop as a child and i think that actually there's uh, many similarities between rapping and stand up comedy um it's all is setups and punchlines and wordplay and um things that are satisfying to hear and coupled with like intelligent opinions and and questions and statements and things so i think that there's a lot of similarities there so i think all those kind of things lead together and obviously like being an actor or coming from that background and and dedicating a certain portion of my life to training in that field has helped, of course, because I'm used to just being on stage. That's like one of the hardest things, I think, at first, you know, as an actor or or comedian or whatever, you know, like a lot of, I know a lot of comedians who are sick, brilliant, like I couldn't imagine writing jokes like some of these people write. I don't really even write jokes, to be quite honest with you. I don't think. No, there are some. Anyway. But yeah, like a lot of people, even with that incredibly unbelievable talent, get on a stage and like the fear of being stood in front of a bunch of people is visible. Yeah. And unfortunately can sometimes be distracting. It's hard. So yeah, like having that as a background has definitely been some kind of advantage. Do you suffer from stage fright? No. I uh, Well, not yet. I get, it could happen, right? I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I th- I think about it. <laughs> I live in fear of getting it. Yeah. But that's one of my one of my main sort of um I guess a a plus for me about me is that I really don't mind sta- I could I would stand naked in front of anyone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounded weird. <laughs> um not naked. That would be weird. Oh, it, that is weird. I oh shit what have I said yeah I'm just imagining like people hiring Don't you now to go it. to an old folks home and cheer everyone up <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> that could work you know um no but like I I it, that doesn't bother me I, I don't mind I could stand on the stage in complete silence with yeah. 200 people sat there and it wouldn't bug me out too much okay good <laughs> you know I, it is a yeah a blessing and a curse actually because sometimes I because I have because I'm don't have that fear so i think sometimes i'm just wondering (laughs) whether that gives me some kind of like uh unnecessary confidence no i don't know because in drama school that's what it's all about losing your inhibitions and leaving yourself alone yeah maybe did do you think you always had that or do you think it was knocked out of you in drama school when you had to like do all these awful things (laughs) (laughs) no i don't I, i don't remember it ever being a problem you know, even okay. being younger, I, I, maybe it's some kind of like maybe I'm a psychopath. Do you not get nervous in anything? I get no, I get totally. I get nervous. Okay, I, I do get real nervous, but like being on st- standing there in front of people isn't the problem. It's the what, what where my nerves come from is yeah. The, I think where probably most of our nerves come from is like, oh god, I hope they like this. Oh yeah, this thing that I've done standing there is no problem. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But like presenting this thing, that's why comedy is so beautiful and 
like scary because it's you. I've done a Shakespeare play in front of 1,200 people saying these words and not had a problem. I've been nervous, obviously, because there's a sheer amount of people there watching you. But like when it's your writing, your direction, yeah. your performance, suddenly it's scary as hell. Yeah, but that's interesting because you're probably one of the first people to say that it's you. Or some of the people I've interviewed previously, it's yeah. been characters or amplified versions of themselves. So do you think you represent who you are honestly on stage? Yeah, I, yeah. I see what you mean, though. So, hmm. <laughs> I've stumped you. Yeah, you have stumped me. <laughs> Wait, so, so can you say that again? Yeah, I can try anyway. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Just previously when I've been interviewing people, um, yeah. a lot of them would have characters and then others might exaggerate, you know, or have amplified versions of themselves. Amplified versions of themselves, you know, to entertain kind of a thing. Yeah. But I very rarely see people when I go and watch them that are just themselves, like, honestly. I would say Issa's really great at that, actually. Yeah, Issa yeah. Bonacera, she... Yeah. I've I've not noticed a difference between talking to her in person and her being on stage. You know, she's just yeah that, lovely. Uh, that's that's hard to that's hard to do because uh, there is something about being in front of people that changes the way you deliver yeah, things, right? The class clown kind of a thing. Yeah. Um. So it's a really beautiful thing if you can do that. I mean, it depends what your act is, I suppose. I, I I'm definitely on stage. I am definitely a sort of slightly amplified version of myself, or like a more honest version of myself, maybe. Okay. I lose track of thought so much <laughs> which has become like a bit a part of my act like uh, in a way you know most nights what i plan doesn't always end up happening like l for example last night i had a gig um at funny feckers in in near london bridge there it was unreal actually the standard was incredible scary that's another thing that scares you when you're sitting there waiting watching other acts go up and every single one is smashing it you're like Oh my God, I better be good. I've got this new song that is like a minute long, a minute and a half long. What's it about? It's about fear, <laughs> funnily okay. enough. Yeah. I asked a bunch of people what scares them more than anything in the world and um, got them to record their answers and I put them onto my sampler and built a song around those answers. That's pretty cool. Kind of thing. It's cool, yeah. It was good, it's good fun. But, for, um, but my original, my point was that like last night, that one technically one and a half minute song ended up taking up four minutes of my set because as you can probably tell from this i'm like suddenly thinking now what have i been saying like have i, have I made any sense because my brain jumps around so much and i just sort of find it easier to allow that to happen when i'm on stage okay i think i'm in see i'm doing it now i'm jumping around i, I can't decide what I, I can't make a decision on what what line what you want to talk about. exactly yeah, yeah. I've actually had a bit of a, I feel like personally, I've had a little bit of a breakthrough recently with comedy in sort of finding, you know, they talk about finding your voice or whatever, like finding your persona, your voice on stage. And something is, has shown itself to me in that, like for a few weeks ago, I did a gig and I sort of was a little, I, I was underprepared, sort of half purposely, I was trying to force myself to, to, to write new material or come up with something new i took my music device i deleted everything off it was like right i'm gonna have to come up with something like on the stage and make a track on stage or whatever and because i was panicking and i and as soon as i got on stage i instantly regretted it <laughs> like hardcore i was okay. like why did i just delete everything i have because now i'm fucked i have not like you know i'm a music I do, I'm a music act kind of thing. Yeah. You know, um, but I, I was worried because I rely on that a lot and I would never really come up with the bits in between or or the, the talking, you know, I was never very good at that, but not, but not never good at it, but. Do you feel more comfortable doing the music? There's a, there's more comfort doing the music. Yeah. So, but I wanted to be able to communicate more or I'm, I'm uh, with words, <laughs> 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 which I struggle at, as you can tell. But, um, I go into, when I'm having like a serious conversation, I go into like a deep monotone. Yeah, when you normally sound like this. Do I normally sound no. like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, what were we even talking about? Oh, God. Oh, yeah. So scat the scattiness, right, has, is, a, is a definite <laughs> part of me. And something that I was confused about at first, I think, because with acting, right, you you 
confidence can be really useful and i mean it can in stand up is it is in stand up as well but i was trying to act confident i think with stand up you're taking this audience on a little journey you got to take them with you and like make sure they're all right kind of thing you know yeah so like we have to come out and not be scared and be confident and so that they have faith in us that i i think i mistook that for just being like really confident or trying to be confident and being like i've got this guys okay and so i would do my songs and then i would be confident in between and you know wasn't that funny to be honest with you like the songs were fine but like you know i i got into this place where i was like i don't really know what i'm doing and anyway this time when i went up and i deleted everything off my thing and i I sort of was panicking i sort of knew what i was gonna do so i was panicking in a very sort of shallow way because i was i was nervous about it but like i knew ultimately that i'd be able to bop something out and even if it went terribly it just it goes terribly so i got to this point i reached this like point where the panic i was dripping with sweat shaking like a leaf I mean, I stood still and I panicked and I noticed that I sort of still was on top of it, but I was freaking out and I was saying out loud my internal random monologue that is jumping around from thing to thing and something clicked. I'm not saying that that's like, I feel like it's really egotistical to be like, and it clicked and I was like, oh yeah, that that works, that's what good. But for me, something connected with the audience. When When they got to see that part of my brain that is genuinely going oh fuck i fucked it oh no don't worry i tell you sorry am i allowed to swear yeah go for it okay cool um like jumping around and you know that that is me so something clicked something clicked i I do think everyone has to find their thing in comedy you know Um, yeah especially seeing you did the the soho theater course right and everybody has gone into such different ways of performing yeah. like Dan Y who was episode 6 um <laughs> and he's he's doing seance and seance is the best thing ever yeah everybody found their kind of area yeah i guess it comes with doing this kind of thing also i just want to say like i'm not i'm not an expert on any of this you know i feel like i'm talking like i know some something and I, I don't i'm like what i mean by that i'm changing is i'm learning okay. so sorry you know, like last night, there were a bunch of comedians there that I'd never met before and everyone did really well. And like just chatting about certain things afterwards about like, oh, w- I liked what you did with that. Like what what made you do that? Or, you know, whatever, just having these conversations. You can learn so much from each other. And it's hard to do that with, you know, one of the biggest reasons that I'm I, I've sort of I'm doing more comedy alongside acting is that I can go and practice it every single night. You know, you can practice and learn from yourself and other people any like any night of the week. And you can't really do that with much else. I mean, maybe music, but like acting, it's really hard to like get that kind of practice or like, I mean, you could do a monologue slam, I guess, but fuck. Stayed away from them myself. Yeah. Oh, not, not that they're a bad thing. Ugh. Sorry. <laughs> but like, you know, I'm, for me personally, I just... I, well, there are, I, I don't know of any. Well, maybe I didn't know of any comedy nights. I don't know. Yeah. We never know anything. It is difficult because acting, one of the main things I found when I was going to drama school was that they point out things that I wasn't aware I was doing. So with a monologue or any sort of acting, it's always good to have someone there to kind of say, did you realise you're doing that or redirect you or help you think of things differently? Yeah. But with comedy, you you kind of know you get instant reactions you know if something's yeah. funny and then oh god that feedback is like yeah instant you go what go back and watch those video like videos of your sets and it's like okay <laughs> and like learning off of people is just amazing so yeah i'm changing in the way that like i feel like i'm basically i'm i'm enjoying it more yeah something happened where i'm like i feel like i found something and maybe that'll change as well but there's this like I've allowed myself to be more me on stage and turned it up a little bit, like amplified it slightly. And I'm having more fun with that. And it's connecting with me more, which in turn, I think, is connecting with the audience more. Okay. So uh, that's what I mean, I think. So I feel like I've found something and, and I don't think you ever find, I don't think you'll ever like fully know 
And was anyone in your family creative? Do you think when we're talking about learning from people, did you get inspiration from, you know, any of their personalities or jobs? My dad in is I don't know, he, he, he's written like poems and stuff, like birthday cards or whatever is always like a poem. That's so cute. Which is cool, yeah. Yeah. And you like the older we got, the more like weird and <laughs> st- silly they got as well, you know, or rude. He he loves telling stories. Um, he's very proud of this of one moment when he was at school where he like won uh, like the audience like the audience vote for best performance in a play or whatever when you know when he was at school and he he like he loves that. Yeah, I don't know whether he remembers that because he remembers it or because it was also happened to be the same day that JFK got shot. Oh, shit! <laughs> so he's like got this very specific memory of winning this like award or whatever. But I think it is a big that is a big part of it. My dad reading stories to me and putting on voices and like as a very young child, you know, <laughs> I was like it wasn't not when I was a teenager or anything like that. Okay, I promise. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just remember my dad getting really into telling stories, like reading from a book. But he'd get right into it, and then yeah, and like poetry and stuff like that. So that's that's a big part of it. I think I I was you know experimenting with like writing poems and or or rhymes which eventually would turn out to be like would be rap i guess i always hesitate when i say that because it's a weird kind of thing i do but even when i was younger like so before even before acting came into anything even i was emceeing in this studio in cornwall doing little like mini tours around cornwall with this group of singers and dancers rapping on stage every night yeah these ridiculous songs that i would write that are all mental and weird so i guess it, that's another part of it so like oh yeah so i had a um this is a dude who tell me if i'm going on no <laughs> could you imagine <laughs> <laughs> i do i do like talk a lot though i have to keep having to tell tell people like when i get into social situations recently i'm like just if i'm going on just tell me to shut up because i uh, well i will not leave <laughs> one of the first people i ever interviewed was actually victorio yeah, yeah. and um episode two <laughs> shout out to victorio yeah because he does the 42 podcast yeah. after it, i was just like can you give me some advice because i don't really know what i'm doing yeah and um he was like just let people you know when people talk just let them keep going because that's everyone has kind of like the standard answer they give for things but then when you let them talk a little bit more normally they they feel inclined to say a bit more and they surprise themselves with something you know that whatever it is that comes out of their mouth they're like oh i've learned something about myself today and you're getting all the stuff that wasn't yeah wasn't the planned answer yeah exactly it's really good advice actually yes it's that is yeah, that's brilliant advice. Mm, what gem shall I pop out now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you're talking about how you're emceeing for this musical group. Oh yeah, when I was yeah, well, when I was like a kid, basically just writing these right, and even then, like the the songs that I would write was so stupid in a in a in a great way, in a beautiful. Just it was more the focus was more like wordplay and being silly, or telling all these like long sort of storyline songs. So that was a big part of it. And a guy that I did that with, I actually met. I met this guy. So I, I did performing arts at college, like for the equivalent of sixth form, I guess. I don't know. I didn't do A levels. I don't know. It's like either. a B tech. Oh, you were a different thing, yeah. Uh, How old were you, would you say? It's like 16. Okay. 16 to 18, I guess. Or to 16 to 17. There was a girl in, my, in the year above me, and I did a talent show one night at the college, and I did. I did my own version of D a D12 song you know Eminem's group I can't remember what the bloody song was now they had like a really famous song for a bit anyway I did that all on my own with all the 12 personalities that they have and this girl came up to me afterwards and she was like oh my my boyfriend is really into is really into like rap and hip hop and I think you think you were great and you got he like he does things as well so you should you guys should get together anyway she went home and told him she came back in the next day with a piece of paper and a and a four line rhyme on it, like attacking me. <laughs> was it good natured? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, sort of. Well, no. It, it was like a, a, it was it was an in, it was insult insulting me. Okay. Um, he'd seen a picture of me. She'd like showed him a picture, and at this point in time, he must have been like, "What are you talking about?" Because at that point in time, I had really long, greasy hair. I was uh, a little rotund, just not what you would if someone went oh there's this rapper at school you should see him and you would not expect to see what you know what you would 
which is a little little fat me with long greasy hair and spots. So he wrote this line about me being like gr- grimy, like Kurt Cobain of rap or something like that. I can't remember. I wish I could remember. Anyway, point is, she was like, he wants you to write four lines insulting him. Here's a picture of him. Here's, I'll tell you about him. This is who Luke is. Oh, shit. Write <laughs> 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 four lines back. So before we'd even met, we were passing this piece of paper back and forth between from his girl his girlfriend would bring it in and take it home and we by the end of it we had this a4 sheet of paper just covered in like four bars each for weeks and weeks and weeks what and he's still got it somewhere i really i'd love to see that anyway after that we so then we met and we started doing music doing music together he was like a expert he knew every he knows still everything there is to know about hip-hop music and from like different areas of america and how it started and what you know he would like teach me basically i'd go around and have these like lessons essentially where we'd sit down and just go through cds and he'd be like this is cannabis this is kind of linguist this is whatever this is whatever and he would tell me all these rappers that i'd never heard of before and then we would write rhymes together and his friend had a little like homemade studio kind of thing i guess it was just a room with you know a microphone in it basically and he had the ability to play backing tracks he made like backing tracks or we would just get them (laughs) download them off the internet and bring them in and then we would record together and and record we'd spend we'd go to this dude's house at like six o'clock at night and wouldn't leave until six o'clock in the morning just drinking red bull and rapping for hours and hours and hours and it was like amazing i like never been happier yeah so that that was a uh, um he's a really big inspiration to me as well just to have so much knowledge about a specific art and craft and yeah to be able to like go so deeply into it was a, probably a big part of why i now now my it's kind of it's cool all of these things are coming together you know like i think acting going to drama school for example it doesn't have to be geared towards being an actor. I, I, I've had this conversation, this kind of realization recently as well. It's like we even had a teacher at drama school that obviously no one listened to because you go there with this kind of vague expectation that you're going to be an actor, which no one really knows what that means. You know, there's a very small percentage of people who will go out of drama school and just smash it film after film after film or, you know, play after play after play or whatever. Like, that does happen. But the majority of people will leave do a play have to do xyz other things to keep themselves afloat or even to keep themselves creatively afloat i think and part of the problem with that i think is that we go in to drama school sort of expecting this thing that we don't really know what it is we we had a teacher at, at guildhall who said like you know these skills that you're learning here can be applied to many many things it's not and no one no one paid any attention to it and i look back now and i think fuck yeah this this is so applicable to so many different things so for example now my music from when i was a kid to my acting throughout my sort of teenage and early adult life and now comedy is all sort of i haven't changed what i'm doing i'm still like performing i'm still trying to find a way that i like to tell a story to other people yeah but when did you decide to actually audition for drama school? What What do you think it was? Honestly. And was there a shock then? Because uh, obviously you were into performing. It wasn't like a shock within the community that you were from Plymouth and like, oh, I'm going to move to London. And No, no. I mean, like, so it was it was just a th- like, to be completely honest with you, it's like, it's just a, th- it was what you did. Do you know what I mean? Like there's th- that, that was like the line. Okay, so you just like, you make this ridiculous decision at the age of whatever. 15 or okay. something and you're like i'm gonna be an actor and it's like okay so i get you go and do performing arts b-tech at the college at the local college plymouth college of further education okay you go and do the b-tech and what do you do after that well i mean then you're 18 so the b-tech is just kind of filling time basically until you're 18 and you learn what you can on the b-tech didn't learn much to be honest did they gear you towards auditioning for drama school did they what sorry gear you did they like prepare you to audition for Guildhall? uh no not really i think i got a little bit of help actually but that year i didn't get i didn't get into any drama schools so that year yeah so they just kind of said okay well now after this you go to drama school and i was like okay well that's what you do if you're going to be an actor which i'm going to be then i'm that's what i'm going to do i auditioned for drama school that year i just the four like ones that i'd heard of what were they? Can you remember? Yeah, RADA, Guildhall, Lambda, and Bristol. They all went... No, they weren't all bad. They were the only ones I'd heard of, right? So so I I, I didn't... I don't know whether it's because I was too too scared to ask for advice or like... But I was so 
so underprepared for every single one of them. Like I remember being and just ill prepared in 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 the picking speeches for characters that are like just so far from me or not even human. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Which isn't ideal for getting into drama school. But I, I you know, so anyway, so I, I auditioned to all these places. I, I remember learning Malvolio on the back of a megabus on the way to London, trying to learn a Malvolio speech on the way to the audition, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So I obviously went in there and went, oh, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. But then I was like, oh, I guess then I just wait a year and try again. So I literally just worked at Tesco and for my dad building and did it again. And then really focused on what I only I really enjoyed the Guildhall audition that that first year that I didn't get in. Although I I like had a horrible time everywhere else. Guildhall did like a warm up and like it felt more chilled and more relaxed. The audition was held in the student union, so it had a kind of cool vibe and atmosphere. There's like music, classical music, and like jazz being played randomly all over the fucking place. Yeah, which was just so cool. So I was like, oh, I'll definitely come back here. So I just auditioned at Guildhall the following year and art said because i'd found out about it in that time and i had a mate turned out i had a mate there but yeah and then i i i didn't get into art said and i got into guildhall but which was an amazing experience but i don't it's weird we're just kids and we don't really know it. i had a bit of a different experience like i went to um school i went to university when i was 17 did business for four years wow. and then graduated and a month later i moved here and did the course in soho but in that in the last year, I auditioned for fourteen drama schools. Like I was obsessed with getting into drama school. I flew over four times to audition for seven over here, and I flew to New York for one. Jesus. I know it was really expensive, but I had this four years of business school where I was working, just saving, saving, and I commuted like an hour and a half every day because I was like, I'm gonna go to drama. Like I was just obsessed with the whole idea. Yeah. But the time I got to drama school, I was just so exhausted with the whole idea of it, and <laughs> the goal was actually to go to drama school. No, to get into drama school was the goal. Yeah. So when I actually went to drama school, I was just like, oh, this is what it's like. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> you know sure. You I mean? Yeah. But yeah. I yeah, was... it's interesting because it's like this big mysterious fucking thing. This like... Yeah, it sounds so prestigious, all the London drama schools and you yeah. hear about the differences. But I was like 21 at that stage. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't like, wasn't like 17 going in, but I wouldn't have been able to anyway. I was barely ready for it at 21. Oh yeah, God. I mean, one thing I say to because sometimes I'll go back there and like host the auditions. I like just look after the people who are who are coming to audition and like you know take them in and make sure they know everything that's going on. I like that part, that side of it. One thing I always say is like I know (laughs) exactly what you're feeling, so you just want to get in anywhere. Yeah. Right. There's no like specificity to the choice necessarily it's whatever whatever we get offered so we start our careers with this like well i'll go for these all of these things but like even if i really like that one but they offer me a place yeah but the opposite one offers me a place i'll still take the place because like i think that happens a lot i think finance was like yeah i got into new york film academy the masters oh wow acting for film it was 33 grand a year for two years and then I got into that in October and I got partial scholarship for it but I worked it out I did a budget so all year I thought I was doing this going to New York Film Academy and then in the budget after the two years I sort of been like so much in debt yeah and then I think it was June I got into the one in London so it was I don't know how, like all those months I just thought I was going to New York the panic Jesus but uh finance was a major thing because even in Ireland you know any university is way cheaper than it is here yeah like yeah i'm not quite sure where i stand with drama school like it uh, no it's a good thing to do if you can do you think it was worth the money <laughs> i mean yeah it's a it, it's an incredible i had an incredible time like it, i'm not gonna lie like it was amazing yeah. and i really enjoyed it and i learned a hell of a lot i probably could have learned more having if i'd have been a bit older going there i don't know why they don't encourage you to like that it should be encouraged to be like a second thing which is just people got, you can't afford it obviously like it's mad to to treat it like that well some people do and I, I feel like those people get more out of it because they've been and actually experienced something before coming to try and draw on experience you don't have it's a weird one i think it's like times have changed you know so it's not drama school's not the be all and end all for if you want to be an actor what would you recommend if someone do, or can't afford to or doesn't go to drama school? Just, just fucking do it. Like, in, do it in any way you can. 
I, I don't know, join Spotlight. Like, look at the filters and audition, open casting calls and stuff that you can find. Write to casting directors, write to agents. Like, write. D- d- it depend. It really depends what you want or what you're aiming for, I suppose. Yeah. But like, just doing it. Audition for short films. Like, you know, there was there's all these things like Mandy or what used to be Casting Call Pro and all that. Like, get on there. Get into these. Just get experience. But also, don't obsess over it because it's weird. Like, if if you're completely obsessed with acting and the idea of being an actor, then you're not doing anything else, which is all the stuff that's going to inform you as an actor. Yeah. Are you speaking from experience? Well, (laughs) well, yeah, sort of. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't know. Yeah, because I was just kind of doing what I was, what I'd read and what I had told was the thing to do. Just following the steps, right? Like proper sheeping it up big time but there were definitely people there who like there were people i remember people at the recall auditions who knew who some of the teachers were it knew their whole like if there were some of the teachers who had written books or whatever and like they'd they'd read their whole catalog of books and like they'd they understood everything and they'd be like oh my god are we about to go in and have this audition with and you'd be like and i'd be like who the fuck who (laughs) you know i saw some people upset like there was one girl who i just there was this person who I was in the auditions with. We both got in, went right through to the end of the training. And it's kind of like, I think it, I shouldn't say that kind of thing really. That's a bit deep. But like what you were saying about, oh, it was getting into drama school. that, And then you got there and you're like, all oh, right. Yeah. I think this, this person had like put everything into like getting in, doing the best at all of the exercises and classes that they could possibly do and coming out the end of it. And then they just went, oh, right, actually yeah no (laughs) you know (laughs) wow it's like whoa that was like a good six years of your life just obsessing over one thing yeah i don't really know what i'm saying Uh, that just felt like bitching was that bitching was that bitching i don't think so it was i'm not uh, i'm not bitching (laughs) i don't even think i was (laughs) no i want to count how many times you say bitching Bitching. (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah i mean what you're saying really is to not unhealthily focus on something because you might come out of the experience and think, where did the time go? Was that really for me or was the idea of it for me? I got what you were saying. Why couldn't I just say it like that? <laughs> and we could have been done with this half an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and like part of being an actor is like, have you know, having some kind of experience trying to work out how your experiences, you know, may correlate with the experiences of the character you're playing or you know, well, that's one way of doing it. And if if you if you don't know if you if you haven't had any of that, then how are you going to know how to relate to something? And how do you feel like the <laughs> solo theatre course prepared you for getting into comedy? Yeah, it was really good. I actually did something different at solo theatre years ago. With I did like a clowning class. Okay, that's what started my. This is basically what started my journey, my curiosity, and then my journey into comedy was. Uh, my girlfriend Kai had seen this guy called um, Dr. Brown this clown um, she'd seen him somewhere I can't remember where but she took me to go and see him I have this obsession with uh, like what could be funny without like you know what sounds or what thing like I've got I love audio <laughs> this sounds so weird but like what could be funny without saying anything like how could I do a five minute open mic spot without using words and <laughs> just using like it's some something that I've seemed to be obsessed with and I can't do currently uh so he and he ran anyway sorry I was just fanning over this dude he's, he's so brilliant okay <laughs> um, Good yeah he directed uh Nat Nate Oh Jesus, can't remember her name. Natalie Palamides, I think her name is. Palamides. She did a show recently at the Soho Theatre. Oh, anyway, it, he's just awesome. He so I I did this class, this like clown class with him, and basically the focus of that was vulnerability, and I that I understood that probably from coming from an acting background because there's a certain element of being vulnerable, being open, being generous. And that was everything that he taught us. And a lot of stand-up comedians were doing that course because I think they probably had been advised to because it was a way of unlocking this idea of being more you, I think. Putting it out onto people rather than sort of going, what do you think of this? Oh, no, too much. Like, is this working? Gauging it? You know, working with the audience. A lot of clowning is, like, really useful for this kind of stuff, I think. 
Um, so that's how that's that was my first experience of trying comedy. So I saw this show; it was amazing. He was doing this class. I did the class. I did it again the year later because it was so good. And just I feel like that prepared me more than anything. Just this idea of being like, oh, it's okay to get it wrong and like just like hmm, readjust and try again. The clown is like so admirable because it's just a constant optimist. So that was the start of it. And then doing this, and then re- more recently, I did the Soho Young Company thing. Uh, yeah, and it's sorry to answer your question. Yeah, that that was really good. It really felt like a really good start into doing it because essentially all it is is you meeting up with a bunch of peers and trying out your stuff in front of each other, doing a few exercises with a, an experienced comedian. But the main the best bit about it is sitting in front of each other, trying material out, talking about it afterwards. It's 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 everything you could learn from just doing the open mic circuit yeah. and just jumping into it, but with a bit more guidance and okay. in a slightly safer space. How do you feel like you've progressed since then? How long has it been since you did the course? Yeah, about probably two years. I've done another one since then as well uh, with the, the comedy lab with um, Alison Thea Scott. She's brilliant. She teaches. She teaches on this thing. She does a lot of improv stuff at Free Association, I think, and like teaches there as well, I believe. I feel like I've progressed a lot since then, and then doing this thing with Alison, uh, the 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 other course at the Soho. I think it's it's just like a similar thing, but like if you've done more gigs, then if you've got a bit more experience, like how can you start gearing that towards something? So to a slightly longer set or whatever. I was still trying to do this kind of storytelling. Okay. I used to just tell stories. <laughs> God, yeah, I used to just I used to just talk, <laughs> which is mad to me now because I don't. It's not like that's not the vibe at all anymore. <laughs> I try and find find where I was again. So I was I was just telling these stories and and they were all right. Like they were they were sort of they were funny, but I didn't it didn't feel right. Um, and then when I did the lab, the comedy lab, so the other thing, I thought fuck it I'll, I've been making this weird little song I'll go and try and see if it works with these people I was nervous because I don't know where I've got this from but in my head there's this idea that musical comedians are less valid for some reason because it's easy or and again this is not through experience like no one's ever said to me oh what you do is fucking easy it's just like this thing that seems to be in my mind for some reason I'm sure it was or is a thing that must have come from somewhere anyway so I tried this song, um, called like this peanut. It's my peanut song. It was like the first song that I sort of tried at this thing. It What's went, it about? It went. Well, it was about being allergic to nuts. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, with like a beat that I made on this little sampler. Actually, I tell a lie. That that wasn't the first time I did music because I did Edinburgh. I weirdly did Edinburgh before having done any gigs. Really. Okay. I'd done like maybe four or five gigs, and then took a forty-five minute show to Edinburgh. But what? So you must have already done the solo theatre course for that stage, right? Yeah, I'd done it at that point. Yeah. So where did all this music come? No, I did. I was doing music before that. Then I was using a loop pedal at that time. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So I started playing with like using a loop pedal and creating songs on stage, and then having a narrative and like I don't know, had all sorts of props and weird shit going on, um, for the forty-five minute show. But I, was, I guess in my mind, I didn't really. The show ended up being. It was funny, but it was like more. There was a, it as I developed the show. I was like, "Oh fuck, this actually is, has quite a significant storyline." So it became more of a one-man show that was just a bit funny at points, and had this weird like music and stuff in it. So that was my first step into doing music. Then I came back from Edinburgh and did a couple of gigs, and then sort of left it alone for a bit. I was got scared, and I felt like I was copying someone with. I wasn't, but like in my mind, I was like oh god loads of there's other comedians who use loop pedals and mm. do that kind of thing and i started getting this mad self-doubt and then i then i did this lab course and i tried this song on this on with a little sampler thing and they were like oh god that was cool yeah and i was like fuck yeah it felt good when did you go to edinburgh not not the previous not one. the one just gone but the one before that yeah really it's only a year and a bit ago yeah since then it's been i've been gigging a lot more and and playing with the idea of this music and the songs, but also playing with talking, as I was saying earlier, and like letting out the sort of scatty side of my thought process. I think there's like a part of us that likes to see someone 
going through fucking turmoil on stage. Okay. You know, like some of my best gigs have, where, have been where like none of my tech is going right. I mean, very few of my gigs over the last month or two have gone without a hit, any kind of hitch. Like there's been a problem with my tech on each, on every single one of them, whether it's just like the sound randomly disappearing or whatever. So like, yeah, this this idea of like seeing this dude struggle with his tech and like sweating and panicking and like it seemed to connect with some people. Okay, like have you ever had experiences where you felt like you completely bombed? Oh yeah, God. Especially as well if you've had like a a good one a couple of days or a day before that, you know, and then you you so you in your I think it's important to like if I've had a good gig before the one I'm about to do I have to sit there and just be like you know remember this I don't know if this is a good thing to do or not but like I sort of sit there and go remember last it might be different this time don't don't let it give you don't let it overfill you with confidence or like yeah take it into the realm of arrogance I have a I have a huge attraction to, to like surreal comedy as well like Andy Kaufman and Reggie Watts and stuff like that. Like those guys, there's some. They're a couple of my heroes, you know. And some of it's fucking just weird. Okay. And leaves audiences going, "What the fuck is going on?" What drew you to it? The fact that it was weird. I don't know. Yeah, I like it. I get, like as much as I love laughing, I also love just being like, "What the fuck is going on?" It's kind of trippy. Yeah, like to give this to like sort of half convince people that they are not even awake <laughs> you know they must be in some dream state i think that that like elements of that have began to bleed into my act which i like i want to like take you on a fucking wild trip you know just for five minutes i was just gonna say what advice would you give to someone wanting to get into stand-up comedy oh man i mean i don't know i again i feel so like young and fresh into it really i don't feel young and fresh i feel fresh in the comedy world so I'm still working out myself to be honest with you but like a big it just to just do it as much as you can if you really love doing it just do it as much as you can I mean don't overdo it like we were talking about you know obsessing over it I think can be dangerous well not dangerous but like you know well yeah dangerous to your fucking mental health and because it's like lots of late nights or whatever and we've got like other jobs going on to, to support that so you can get really tired I think you need to first yeah look after yourself make sure you're not getting too knackered from it and keep trying stuff out like be brave be brave yeah like get just get up on stage take anything because it it doesn't matter like these gig these these someone told me this no one no one's going to remember a bad gig they only really remember the good ones i mean unless of course you i don't know chop someone's head off or something like you know something terrible happens if you just bomb no one cares yeah, I think now like people just feel bad for people that bomb. Yeah, they feel bad yeah. for a bit, and you feel bad for yourself for a minute, and you sit there and go, oh, shit. And then you go, oh, well, I'll do it again tomorrow and see what happens. What's next for you? I don't know, man. <laughs> Have I, some breakfast. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I, uh, would you like to go to Edinburgh this year? Or where would you like to be this time next year? Edinburgh, yeah, I would. I, I would like to. I'm scared, to be honest with you. I went... And had an interesting time. I did it the wrong way. I learned a lot from the first time I did it. But but I, it's another thing that you're just kind of told is the thing to do if you're doing comedy. So I'll think about it. But I might not do it. How well, how long was your sh- Edinburgh show? Forty five minutes. What you brought a forty five minute show to Edinburgh? Yeah. After just completing the Soul Theatre course. Yeah, it wasn't just after, but yeah. That's crazy. Was it your first year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. At Edinburgh, you mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. First time there. It's very ambitious. It was very ambitious. It's stupid, actually. I shouldn't have paid for a venue necessarily, or certainly like the one that I did. Um, it was the wrong venue. It was in the wrong place. It was like I couldn't get people in there. My, I didn't really think about marketing it. Like I just all I did was think about the show really, and it was good. The show was good. Like it was cool. But I, I. It really knocked me. Where can people follow you if they want to keep up with what you're doing? Uh, Instagram is probably best, I guess. Um, Lugu89, L-E-W-G-O-O-89. The first three letters of each of my names and the year of my birth. 89. Yep.
Yeah. I feel old. That's another thing, actually. I feel old. Sorry. See, I'm doing it. I'm rambling. But you just set up this um, service for actors, right? To yeah. To their own self-tapes. Yeah, like a self-tape service for actors, basically. If you haven't got the space or you haven't got someone to read in with you, I do that. Cool. Yeah, so if you're an actor and you need a self-tape done, hit me up. Self-tapew4.com. Cool. All right, thank you so much for coming in today. No worries, thanks do you for wanna, having me. Do you want to give us a second of peanuts? Oh, yeah. It's okay. a parenting goodbye. I, can't, I could. I don't have the, the device actually with me that has that song on it. Oh. But I could give you... Freestyle rap about I, this whole interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I could give you... um, what If I can use that thing, I can give you something. Go for it. But, I mean, you might not... Okay, we're not going to hear any of this now, but it might be quite funny if you yeah. go back on. This is going to be in complete silence for us here. This song that you may or may not be hearing right now is completely made out of WhatsApp voice notes of farts. Every single sound. I'm so proud of this. Okay, I wish I could hear it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine you're hearing it. Yeah. That's the beat. Look, you can like at least nod your head to that that white light going through but I'm building it up so like don't worry it'll sound good okay cool how did you record this? on this device oh so I ripped off the do you have a whatsapp message where you just send each other like I said I'm complaining isn't it we're uh <laughs> that's like the way I stay in touch with my my friends back home. It is exactly. Oh. Yeah, I've got one friend who's particularly uh, talented with it. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, God, that felt so weird. Yeah, I just like performed air to you. Yeah, and thank you for that. No um, worries. I'm sure when I listen to it back, I'll be like, what a real experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you might. I don't know. Oh, look, there it is up on the screen. Really yeah, loud. it looks loud. It does, yeah. Thank you so much for having yeah, me. Yeah, and thanks for that wonderful song. No thanks worries. For coming in today. The fart song.